so what you've been watching? It's only been a like a day basically since we <laughs> yeah, recorded last. That, I think that's that, okay uh, to admit on the podcast. Yeah, but, uh, I mean we we talked did you watch about anything? The, the re-recording. Okay, so what I've been watching is Hill House because I finished Bly yeah, Manor. You got back I into it. About it, and and I did watch another episode of Bly Manor, which I'll okay. get to. But I want to hear your. I want go and in, get into uh, the rewatch of Hill House. How's it been? Well, here's the thing. Bly Manor is really really good. I highly recommend it to anybody watching. It's great uh, spook uh, spook vibes for the month. It's very well made. There's some very great characters in it. Hill House is goddamn lightning in a bottle. It is honestly, I think, one of my favorite things ever, Rewatching it. It's so really? good in every way. It's the cinematography. I remember feeling that when I watched it, incredible. but I remembered ending it being afraid to watch it again and be let down now yeah. i'm excited dude the writing is fantastic i think maybe the person i want to commend the most of the entire crew that made that show are the casting directors because everybody in that show is cast perfectly for extremely well-written roles every single time another character comes on screen you go oh you know what that's my favorite character and then it's a scene with Luke, and you're like, oh, who am I kidding? That's my favorite character. And then the the dad from before comes on, and you're like, that's 100% my favorite character. And then the dad from <laughs> now comes on, and you're like, god damn it, what the hell? And uh, I don't know. And it's very cool that they use a lot of the same actors for Bly Manor. But having them given, like, lightning in a bottle, as I put it, performances in Hill House, you can't help but be like... The guy who played the dad, the the younger dad in Hill House, playing this role in Bly Manor is it's not as good. You know what I, I mean? Can you totally, can't help but compare. That's actually a specific one that I felt watching Bly Manor because he's in episode one, and immediately I was like, I'm glad that he's back, but uh, what's up with that? You know what I mean? Yeah, you would ask me also about. I think this was in our dud recording that we re-recorded. Um, You'd ask me about the accents in Bly Manor. Yeah, and how, that's how actually you feel one, about those um, where that sticks out. That it sticks out. He's doing way too fancy of a British accent, even though he's I, even though he's an upper class person. It's a little too uh, British, you know. Totally get you, and I yeah no I re, I watched one more episode of Bly Manor last night. Tell me about what you and been um really really liked it. I really like uh, the main girl um, who, when I was looking through her like filmography, she hasn't done much. She Victoria did Pedretti. House. Yep, Bly yep. Manor. She's mm -hmm. in the second season of You, which yep. I'm also in the middle of, but kind of fell off of, and I'm going to get back into it now because mm -hmm. I actually heard that it continues to be great, the second season of You. I don't yeah. know why I fell off. I think I was oh, like... It's good. I really liked the second season oh, of You. Oh, you know why I fell off? Huh. Because of the news about what's-his-name, that fucking creep uh, comedian who's a creep on the show. Oh, Chris D'Elia. Uh, Chris D'Elia. It just yeah. freaked me out watching it because he was like a pedophile oh, creep man. on the show. Yeah. I'll still rewatch it because I want to watch... Uh, I'm hoping that maybe he like gets murdered or something. Uh, well, I, I will not say that on the air, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I will say after learning that information, I don't know if I want to rewatch season two, because basically no. what we found out he was doing is what his character doing the show, in right? the yeah. show, which uh, is like, if you're that person, why would you, 
accept that role because he's that person because he's that you know? person he's but that like, bad people that are that evil and Man. that fucked up that's where they're at you know yeah anyway beyond him i don't mm-hmm. want to talk about him yeah uh bly manor was really what i'm really appreciative of right now and i re-watching hill house maybe i'll be like oh it's just done better in hill house mm-hmm. it's very very much a mystery like yeah. every little it's thing that game. happens in bly manor i'm like oh what is the point of that but it doesn't right. feel super like jj abrams mystery box yeah sure Do you know what i mean like yes. you don't know what the thing is and then when you find out it doesn't actually matter the whole point was the journey this yeah. kind of feels like things matter and i want to find out like what who's this character's past what's this yeah. character's past but last night i watched an episode where we did see a character's past and i was a little let down hmm. i was a little bit like now that i know the answer to the mystery it wasn't as like it wasn't as interesting or as introspective as like a sure. lot of the things in Hill House were. I remember Hill House being a show that made me really think. And this is a show that makes me really think. And then when I find the answers, I don't really need to think anymore. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm still not done. Um, there are, like you said, a couple characters I really like. Like I really like the cook. Owen um, is the best character in the show, 100%. Yes. I'll say that right now. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yes, I agree. And I also really, really like like his relationship that he's developing with um i don't know what her position is in the house yeah she's sort of a like caretaker the character's name is hannah gross hannah gross and uh owen's like friendship that i mean it's friendship right now but it's kind of been developing hmm. it feels very very fun like i i smile yeah. when they're on screen together yep. shows that have that appeal me appeal to me very much um oh, yeah. that being said i also watched the invisible man again oh yeah i asked you if i should watch that recently um i I hadn't seen it and i still didn't i chose to watch as above so below i think you should watch it and i would love to talk about it on this podcast because try and watch it for next i have a lot of things that i can praise about it and a couple things that i think you and i could uh not criticize but we could talk about and be like yeah it's interesting or is that well maybe that's (laughs) It's a great movie, though, and I think you would really, I think you particularly would be really into it. Just go in blind. Go in right. thinking, don't have any expectations about anything, even the fact that it's a movie about the Invisible Man. Just like the first five minutes of the movie will set a tone and let that tone okay. be what the movie is, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I... You'll like it a lot. It's on HBO Max. You have that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I suggest. Excited. And it's not. I don't think it's long. I think it's I think it's two hours, which isn't long, but like it's not short. So yeah, just I really prefer an hour and, an hour and twenty-one minutes. <laughs> That's yeah. like yeah. There's a quote I really like. Uh, I forget who said it, but if you're listening and you know, then you know. And it's basically every movie should be ninety minutes, and every minute after that, really, really, really needs to deserve it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like totally. you really need to deserve that screen time. That's why movies, Nolan. I would agree. Uh, you better come on, man. I mean, he's got a little. Depending on who you are, them? some people would say that every minute of every one of his movies is necessary. But uh, yeah, I don't know about that for quite all of them. I'm Dark Knight Rises was yeah. Some of them pretty long. It more than others. I think I only saw Dark Knight Rises once in theaters. You know, it's kind of it was one of those that I did enjoy, I but then I was to... like, I just don't know if I can. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot 
But like, yeah. I think I saw Return of the King twice, <laughs> which right. is like, I don't know. Yeah. And, and Return of the King came out when I was like seven. So I'm just saying, like, I had the attention span of a squirrel. So yeah. Yeah. I don't hold this against my parents, but um, they thought I was too young to see the Lord of the Rings in the theaters. So I've only ever seen them. Well, I think it's part of why I'm a extended edition purist. Because oh, it's the only version that I've the ever theatrical seen. Theatrical cuts. Yeah. You know what would be amazing then huh. if you could find after COVID a movie theater that screens classics, so yeah. you could see it in I a know. movie theater. Would they do? I the want to do that though. I don't they know. do during oh. COVID. They they were doing that. Really? So I just wasn't going to movies because uh you know I saw a couple when I was in Minnesota under alone in the whole theater alone mm-hmm. but I didn't even want to talk about it on the podcast at the time because I don't want to promote people going to the movies I don't think it's a good idea at all yeah still depending on idea. where you are especially you might walk in and there might be there's just no way of knowing that you will have an experience like me where I was the only one I did right. something stupid and ended up Paying it ended up working out sure but yeah, uh, I care. do know, looking while I was looking at movies that were playing at that time, the Lord of the Rings movies that were playing were all like over four hours long, which means wow. extended. Okay. So, Hell yeah, man. maybe in the... Because I think the future of cinema will have a little mix of new movies and old movies to try to re... You yeah, know, there's going to be sense. a period of time once movies come back where theaters are going to be desperate for butts and seats. Yeah. So maybe Lord of the Rings. But I don't even like talking about that very much because we're we're not going to the theaters right now, guys. Yeah. We're staying at home. We're watching movies on your couch. We're staying at home and watching movies and sometimes Avatar. Let's get into it. Ooh, nice segue. I like that. You are listening to A New Lens, a podcast Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. We have gotten to Avatar The Last Airbender. Season 2, Episode 14, City of Walls and Secrets. This episode, uh, was it just me or, uh, watching this right now? Some of the stuff was a little oh, like... I thought you were about oh. to say, like, was it just me or was that not as good? And I was like, oh, what? no. This episode's fantastic. <laughs> I was like, what? It's just, yeah, like, no. especially Is some it of just... the stuff at the end of it. Yeah. It's like, holy oh, cow. We'll get into it, but... Yeah, we will, but... Man... Ooh. So basically, this episode is about Aang and the gang actually arriving to Ba Sing Se. We get, you know, a little moment where they see the city for the first time. They see the different, like, factions of the city, and they find where they're going to be housed. Meanwhile, they are trying to gain, like, time with the Earth King because they know that about the eclipse that's going to be coming due to their time in the library. And... It's really hard. They are like basically played, or what's the word uh, Toph uses? Handled. They are handled by um, a woman named Judy who seems kind of, there's something up with her. She's not just telling them like, oh, everything's fine, follow me. She even seems a little off. Meanwhile, we've got Zuko and Iroh who just got their, uh, also just arrived in Ba Sing Se and Iroh got them a job at a tea shop. And while they're working at this tea shop, Jet is investigating to try to prove that they're firebenders and he tell he's telling his buddies like i'm gonna turn them in it's all gonna be good like i'm not gonna just attack them but he does <laughs> and so there's a little fight between him and zuko and uh eventually ang and the gang get also fed up with their task and just find a way to um 
basically see the Earth King because he's throwing a party. And they're going to break into this party and tell him about the war. And that is like the course of this episode. I don't think I mm-hmm. missed anything that we're not going to get to in our yeah. our discussion. But uh, yeah, really good episode. I remembered going into it thinking, wait, wasn't this like three episodes? Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, they established Like a, a lot, lot of cool, a lot of stuff happens and it feels very like... It feels like how um, the chase and Zuko alone and like those have had like an arc. This almost feels like that just all in one episode. This, Do you know uh, what I mean? Yeah. If you didn't already know, this is going to uh, blow your mind or you'll just be out like, of course, directed by Lauren McMullen. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I keep thinking, because I remember us talking like a while ago saying, we're running out of episodes that she directed. So every time there's a great episode, I'm like, I don't uh, think this is her because yeah. how many more has she directed, you know? But yep. classic. classic. Of course. Being able to balance this much right, and it all be thing. important. Yep. And all feel organic. Like there's so much exposition given, but in a way that. It doesn't feel like you're just being monologued at, you know? Yeah. And I'll, I'd like to say, by the way, for all of those uh, who were behind this show in every episode that Lauren McMullen directed, we really, we see you, we appreciate you. Oh, But yes. Lauren McMullen is, uh, it just happens to be the name under all of these episodes that we just yes. love. It's, it and it's something us. we can't ignore. We can't ignore that. Yeah. But yes, there, I mean, it's obvious this show isn't just like, one person drawing and editing and she's not doing all you know what i mean but right. it's still we just talk about directors in a way that they are like to be praised when something is good and yet there isn't that same amount of gusto specifically with directors that are women yeah and uh i think that kind of initiated the spark for us to be like this is like a big deal like yeah i don't oh, know absolutely. does that make sense no totally and then, thank you for saying all of that uh you know, the reason that we're laying so many praises at her feet is it's astounding to what every time we watch an episode and it substantially stands out amongst the others as like a very well handled in a sort of large scale way. It's always Lauren McMullen. It's been that almost There's every something time. there. She's doing something for sure. Yeah. So we start out with a great shot of Ooh, that these shot. like deer and like antelope they're like running through a field and the camera goes up and we see a train like an earth train go by so we get the idea that um they traveled from that wall that the drill was trying to get through to this inner inner wall and there are like still there's still wildlife between you know like i don't know i think the deer kind of established for me that like this isn't just like a wall and then another wall right away this is like a fucking yeah, acre of space around the city that, like, I imagine maybe farmers live. You right, know what I it's mean? city and, like, planning. Like outside the wall, we saw it was like desert, like uninhabitable. There's exactly. agriculture in this section. It's like exactly you know, outside the suburbs, like rural areas. Uh, you know, it's in so most cool. places right now, you see wildlife, but there's also farms and stuff like that. Um, and they actually address that a bit more uh, later in the show, but they establish it really well mm-hmm. in this first shot. Um, and, and I like, actually missed it when I was a kid that the outer wall and inner wall weren't just like right next to each other. I never <laughs> sure. really, I don't think I gathered that as a kid and in mm-hmm. this scene, this time made me realize like, oh, it's literally like two 
of the same type of wall right one is way down here and yeah. then you know it's in circles too and we've actually seen that on a map there's like you know circle uh concentric circles go- going inwards there's the mm-hmm. largest one a smaller one inside and then a smaller one inside that so we've had that idea planted in our heads but now we really see how that actually plays out or you know is established in the actual environment now that they're in it which is so cool i love the way that you know, we've talked about different bending techniques for travel. We've had the the waterbenders with their sort of just platforms. They're just waterbending around it. We've had the sandbenders. And now we see this tram is not just powered. It's two earthbenders on the back of it just pushing it along, earthbending it along, which is so it's cool. so cool. It reminds me of like uh like railroad, you know, like in old-fashioned movies, the guys with like the lever that pull on mm-hmm. the lever to get the railroad thing to move. Yep. You know, it's like the, it's the they don't have to put that much effort into it because of their bending. So they just kind of push it along and it it feels cool and feels natural to the world. It doesn't feel forced at all. Totally. Uh, I love that Sokka is not convinced that they're just good now. I mean, he's right. But all the things he suggests are are like, we could get there and the whole place could be flooded with giant shrimp. (laughs) And uh, yeah, didn't he say something about like a, a, firebending spoon right or yeah, something like, like that he says a bunch of top you know, is like i think the cactus juice is still getting right to you he's, a still little on bit. That, he's still on that cactus juice um and he's like i don't know weird stuff happens to us and then this big dude with wide eyes and just a corn on the cob stuck in his mouth just walks slowly in and plops down between him and top <laughs> with and that like, music that's like right totally like but when you really think about it like it's just a guy like eating a corn cob honestly as far as weird things that have happened to them that's one of the least weird (laughs) yeah a dude on a train sat down eating corn yeah i mean but i don't know it's funny um and then we we sort of end that scene or this moment with ang looking out the window and katara reassuring him we will find appa so that's we're remembering like we have two goals as we're here in Bossing say, we need to find Appa because they have, you know, information that he's probably here and they need to get this information to the Earth King. One is more personally important, but one is definitely more time uh, important. Yeah, but that's what's so cool about both issues is that Aang himself, he's not leaning in either direction. Because right. his job, his duty as the Avatar is just as important as his love for his friend and i think only in the most recent episode did he kind of realize that yeah you know i think his his confliction with those two things were what made him so irritable and like hard to hard to deal with or even just like in the desert when he was angry and furious like Mm -hmm. he's now at a point where he's like i'm gonna find you and he like does his whistle and that's a thing but at the same time he's still he he's knows, here with he his what group. The, he's the not about to be like, all right, guys, peace. And then he just leaves. You yeah, know? he knows the grand scale priorities. <laughs> Sokka has the statement. I mean, he's a giant bison. Where could they hide him? And then they enter the the next wall into the inner circle. And, oh, my God, this city is enormous. It's a sprawling, just metro, urban Houses as far as you can see, houses built all on close houses together. On top of them. Yep, it's just a packed urban sprawl. 
it's going to be real hard to find Appa here. Um, this city is just so wide sprawling and sort of impressive. So it makes sense that, you know, Toph is like, this place is just full of walls and rules. Like she's been here. She knows she doesn't really care about society, but Sokka, who's from the Southern water tribe and lived in an igloo and, you know, he's seen society now, but he's never seen anything on this scale. The closest would be the Northern water tribe. Which is a huge mm-hmm. city, but also closer, made of snow and ice. <laughs> closer to his culture and made of snow and ice, and not as like the residential districts are much, much more close together and sort of packed. The population density here is ridiculous, but it's also an achievement, you know. So it's it makes sense that he is amazed by it. As soon as they get out of uh, the tram, you already mentioned, but. Ang gets out and he blows the whistle, which I think is, ah, I just love that this whistle is something that they just found and it stuck around. It felt organic. It didn't feel like, like, you know, they've yes. built it in and he still has it and he's yep. still trying to It's like to call Katara's out. water pouch, but even on a different level, you know? And it helps give some sort of hope to, yeah, the city is huge and sprawling, but he has this whistle. He has some way to communicate with Appa. And it might we, be working. Right. We don't know. We don't even know if he's here. Oh, and then the creepy music starts playing as the trams are going by. So let's talk about the music for a second. This episode features some creepy music throughout. Mm -hmm. I think there's like two notes of it when we see the actual name of the episode. When the title comes up, it's like, ding, ding. But then, you know, that immediately gets taken away when we see like the beautiful deer running by and the the tram. But then Mm -hmm. this is like the second time it comes back with like, it's, I don't know, it's spooky. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and it's mysterious and spooky. spooky um i've been thinking a lot about like uh soundtracking and tone as i've been doing more of that on our D podcast check us out legendary four adventures space vampires um but they do that so well it's so simple it's these ringing resonant like bell tones but there's no yeah, real like strike bells. to them it's just kind of a it's like they took out the strike yes. you know like yeah. they took out that part of the audio right and here she is, Judy. The way she like walks up, the animation of her walking up, it like gets me. Totally. She's voiced by Lauren Tom. Just wanted to mention that. And she does a very good job of adding a really uncomfortable feeling to this character. You know what I mean? Just She is like... On our D&D podcast, we have a character who we're like, is that guy an AI or is he a real human being? (laughs) Yeah. She does that. She makes you wonder what's authentic. Like, what is she saying? But not to the point of you being like, okay, for sure, she's like a robot or something. Yeah. Like, she might just be a weird lady. Right. But what is very clear immediately is that she's dodging their attempts to try and be direct. Absolutely. need to talk to the, the Earth King. Um, You know, we have information for the Fire Nation about the Fire Nation (laughs) army to give to the Earth King. Like right now. I love Sokka's attempts. (laughs) Yeah. Let let us start the tour. It's like, okay. And she just says, everyone is safe here. And that doesn't strike any red flags right away. I mean, it's kind of like uncomfortable. And you're like, hey, we have important information. Like what's going on? But also they've driven this tram through... You know, they've gotten past one huge wall, ridden the tram through another huge wall. It's like, yeah, this is the impenetrable city. Everyone is pretty safe here. So 
it doesn't feel immediately like, what are you talking about? It's like, okay, but did you hear what we said? Exactly. And then that's, I th- is that the same moment where uh, she mentions Bossing Say University and Sokka has his moment? Or is that after a, f- a flash to Iroh and Zuko? I don't remember. I think it's this moment. And either way, those listening have watched the show already. So it's not that big of a deal if we're a little off with that. Mm-hmm. But she makes a comment about uh, Bossing Say University and Sokka goes, yeah, you know, we actually met someone who works at Bossing Say University. <laughs> right. And he helped us find this ancient library in the middle of the desert right. where we found information against the Fire Nation because there's a war. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> right. I love that moment. Yeah, totally. He's just like... You know, yeah, we actually did find that, and he just, like, blows right through yeah. it. Yeah, I think that is here, because they're, they're already starting the tour, and they go through, like, sort of the slums, and she talks the about districts. it, like, this yeah. is where everybody works with their hands. It's so quaint and lively, and it's like... This is Ugh. when the episode becomes, okay, wait a second. And this is where we also start realizing there's a lot of commentary, like, in the meta narrative about class exactly. structure and exactly. society yep. and yep um there's so much that built into this episode um and they bring up like you know they talk to themselves about like why are the poor separated and uh ang hates it oh he hates it he says this is so different from everything about life that i was taught by the monks oh and uh judy says we have walls outside of the city to keep us safe right and we have walls inside of the city to maintain order yeah it just feels walls yeah um i don't know the word wall is a little bit different uh yep in modern context and it makes you think a little differently about things yep we're already starting to get into like uh some of the stuff that feels like oh Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, but before we get too far into that, let's flip over to Zuko and Iroh. Um, they're walking <laughs> along. Iroh walks up with a huge bouquet of flowers. <laughs> and uh, the notion about Zuko saying, you know, we're not staying here. We're not going to make a life here. And Iroh saying, life happens wherever you are. You don't have to make it. I just, I love I that. I really love that quote. Me too. Okay. I, I I wrote that down as well. I thought it was really nice because it... It's something that I think a lot of people everywhere could use the advice of, you know, like oh, yeah. sometimes you don't want to be where you are, but you're there and yeah. life is still happening. It's the same notion that I've been thinking about a lot from Lord of the Rings, Frodo saying to Gandalf, I wish this had never happened. Of course, so do all people who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we must decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. It's like, oh, oh. holy shit. <laughs> Sorry for dropping on that. <laughs> Sorry no, for dropping that okay. on you right now. But, Let's take a um, pause and cry real quick. <laughs> but uh, Iroh has already found them jobs somehow. He's just like, yeah, yeah I, I like that. Some jobs. And Iroh is the guy that would, especially when we meet the guy later who he got a job from. I can just imagine him going in there and being like, just charming as fuck and mm-hmm. the guy being in need of people because yeah. his shop isn't going well and, and iroh is like i bet i could help your shop go well i know how to make good tea right. you know like it, it probably kind of makes sense tea, you know i bet although that's all you would need to do he would probably although, have, yeah now that we he say would probably that, already have experience with this shopkeeper's tea then which uh he clearly does gives us the best line of the fucking um, show <laughs> yeah uh in just a second but first we have a little moment with jet uh, where Smellerby and Longshot, I mean Smellerby, is trying to talk 
talk him out of his sort of, <laughs> you know, obsession and saying, I thought we were through this. I thought we were starting over. And Jet is saying, listen, I just want to get enough evidence to prove that I'm right to give to the police and then it'll be done with. Which to me, in the moment, I'm like, I really hope that that's the case, but yeah. we know it's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that sentiment is actually great. That would be a right. huge, a good thing for Jet to do. That's growth. Sure. Even if we, as an audience, like these characters and mm-hmm. don't want Jet to turn them in for right. some weird reason, they're Fire Nation. Like we shouldn't, we've gained like trust with them just because they're like basically main characters too yeah but it's still it would be the right thing for him to do yeah i love this moment um because it's the first time we don't get a close-up of long shot talking to him mm-hmm. and he doesn't even ask long shot for like advice but now that we've gotten an idea of who long shot is and maybe it's just me giving the animators way too much credit <laughs> but they deserve it because they're fucking great oh, yeah. in the background long shot's face is the exact face that it you would expect it to be do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah they don't yeah. just have him sitting there with a blank face he kind of has his eyes a little bit like i don't know man mm-hmm. to jet you know what i mean that's all he has to, i don't know i like yep. that they don't have another you know long shot quiet moment it's just <laughs> yeah he is there and right. his presence is enough yeah um iroh and zuko do arrive at their jobs <laughs> their <laughs> zuko already has his apron on and iroh's like does this come in a larger size <laughs> he's like we've got some string in the back we could help you out big old belly and have then, some tea while you wait yeah he tries the tea and uh i'll let you reference the uh the best line of the best iroh line of the show so iroh sips this tea <laughs> this is not tea this is nothing more than hot leaf juice <laughs> And Zuko looks at him like, Uncle, that's what all tea is. And he gets and, so offended. And then Iroh gets so, I can't believe <laughs> someone in my own family would say something so horrible. It's like, oh man. That is like the most offended he's been. Yeah. And then what I love is that that's not where it ends either. He goes, We need to make some changes around here. And this is where Jet almost gets seen. Because Iroh goes and dumps the whole pot out the <laughs> right. window. Yeah. He's like, fuck this. Yeah. And I like to imagine <laughs> that the guy comes back with extra string and goes, oh, you must have loved the tea. And Iroh goes, no, it was <laughs> awful. Let me show you what to do. Because like later in the show, they're serving better tea. So yep. there must have been a conversation there. And <laughs> right. Iroh is the guy that would not let that go by, <laughs> yeah, you know? That's true. Jet literally has to like dodge tea. Right. <laughs> Back to Aang and the gang. They've gone through the middle district, which is sort of the financial district with restaurants and stuff. Sort of your suburban, more urban. Well, uh, I'm not sure how. I'm, I'm probably not using those terms correctly. But, you know, more shops and businesses. Uh, mm-hmm. Slightly higher class, like the lower place. This is like the middle class. Yeah. The, the lower districts seem to have, you know, like markets that are like on the front of where you live. You know what I mean? And they animated, uh, we only see each, like, area for a few minutes, mm-hmm. which is on purpose totally because they're Seconds. flying by in trains. Right. They yeah. don't want them to see it for very long. Mm-hmm. But when we do, we see that the people in the lower district, in that uh, district where with people who work with their hands is how yeah, she describes right. it. They all have, like, 
really upset looks on their faces. Yeah. We see like six people and the only person with a smile is like this guy with like a sword. Yeah. And his smile turns into a grimace when they pass. Like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. And then in this district, everyone is just kind of there. You know what I mean? Nobody's like super happy to be there. They're just like, we are safe. Right. You know what I mean by that? It's like the... It's like that, like in the Matrix, when Neo is first enters the Matrix and all these people are walking by him. And and it's like the first time you realize like, oh, shit, people are just kind of fucking doing their own thing walking by. Yeah, that's kind of what that feels like, that middle district. Everyone's just doing their thing. And then now we get to the upper district, which she says, this is where the most important people in Ba Sing Se are housed. Uh, Except, of course, uh, past that wall is where you get into the royal palace and we get the quick glimpse of these Dai Li agents. She says, that's the Dai Li. They're the guardians of the royal palace and they give just And a they say, clear... in the, I think her line is super important. Mm. She says, the Dai Li protects the culture of Ba Sing Se. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. what? What do you yep. mean by that? I don't know. There's something very, very fucked up about not only saying that the rich class of people are the most important people, she literally does use the word important mm-hmm. after describing yep. everyone in the city that basically is the reason the city right. functions. It run. No, but these ones are the the most important. Yep. And then the Dai Li protect the culture. Like, what does that mean when they throw someone in jail? They're protecting the culture of the city. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean by that? It's yeah. like this... It's fucked up. Yeah. It's super fucked up. Yep. And she just has that creepy smile on her face the whole time. Oh, Ugh. God. They finally get to their, the, you know, the the house that they're going to be uh, staying in. And they, she said, good news. Your request to see the Earth King has been processed. And it should be ready in about six to eight weeks. Is that even like, does the eclipse happen before that? You know, doesn't it? Right. Like, I think it does. I Well, I'm not sure exactly how the timeline breaks down. It's around that time, though. They say it's like within a couple months when he yeah, figures it out in the library. Right. And six to eight weeks. Is uh, two and months. it's been time since then. So, like, yeah, that's not okay. Right. <laughs> they, they make their way into the house and basically Judy refuses to leave them. She's like, I would be a terrible host if I let you just uh, wander alone. And she says, don't worry, I won't get in the way. And then right after she says that line, Toph is walking towards the door and she walks directly in her way. It's like, <laughs> I won't get in the way, block. Uh, Lauren McMullen. Come on, she's so good. That feels like, that just oh, feels yeah. like a moment, you know? I really like in this moment, Aang says, uh, my only, what I want to focus on then since we have time is finding Appa. Yeah. And his, when he says the word Appa, Momo was sleeping. Momo yeah, wakes up. He wakes. He perks up. It's like up. it really makes me feel things. It oh, really yeah. does. I think that's what I think. Then they just do. It just cuts to them going to a zoo. Yeah, they, they uh, go to looking for places. Appa. Uh, they ask like the zookeeper. Sokka's like, "Come on, there's a black market. You right. know where it is. Tell us what you know." Yeah, and then Judy and, in the uh, background smiling and lowering her, her head. head. The way she an- they animate her lowering her face. And then just shaking her head. Ooh, it's chilling. It really is. And then they meet a student of the university who references, uh, you, you know, they're asking about uh, about Appa or who would know anything. And the student says, you should ask, <laughs> you should ask the teacher, Zay. And it's, uh, or the Zai. first time I ever oh, watched this, I never even, it's, it's Zay. 
Is it? Professor Zay. Professor yep. Zay. Okay. Yep. All right. This is the first time I noticed that, too, actually. Watching the show in the past, I never realized that he was literally talking about yeah. Zay. Yeah. I just thought he was saying, like, oh, that would be a good thing to ask the guy about who's whatever. Right, yeah. But, of course, the desert guy was the guy they met in the desert. Right. And it's also kind of like a, ooh, yeah he's he's buried in a library (laughs) yeah i don't know he's He's either buried in a library in the desert or he's in the spirit world but he's definitely not your professor anymore yep um judy gives this student a look as well and he says i don't know i'm not a political scientist and runs away which is another thing like uh, is that politics like the mixing of politics and just like the upholding of society and like important Mm -hmm. information for people who are running things to know. It's like, Hmm, interesting, uh, lens today. Um, and this guy also made me realize that there is, there are particular haircuts, uh, in bossing say in every, every area of the show. I think it's, it has a lot to do with like, um, what area that, city of the show is referencing in the real in our world right and how like how fashion and hair and accessories and things play a part in cultures Mm -hmm. on earth yeah but it's just cool that like this guy is the one that made me realize it like they have all the men have like the top half of their head shaved and then all of their hair is kind of in the back and it goes down in a ponytail totally and we see it with like Every single man mm-hmm. in Bossing Say. Yeah. It's cool. I don't know. I, I It's similar to how the Fire Nation, like Uncle Iroh's haircut is like the haircut of the four. They right. have it all up in a bun. Yeah. One totally. or the other, you know? Yeah. Um, the next person they meet is their neighbor, Judy, actually. Or does Judy leave them at this point? Yes. She yes. leaves them be and now that they're see... back at their house and they see their it's neighbor. It's almost like the neighbor was house. like, oh, thank God she's gone. Right. You know, yeah. that's the look he gives. It's like, Judy was maybe watching me too. They go over to talk to him and he's trying to pretend like nothing's up. And Toph's like, yo, I can feel you shaking. You Another are the reason why Toph is such an so important nervous. part of this group. Yeah, absolutely lie detector (laughs) um and (laughs) this guy talks about how he can't say anything he does not want to risk this house that he worked so hard to get to he's been a government official for years and has just been trying to get like into this district to have this nice of a home which is like the you know struggle of working up the class structure of bossing say um and maintaining the order that they have set in place just to be able to get the nice things that you you've been granted by the system (sighs) it kind of makes you think about how sometimes when there are those who are privileged and granted things by the system they're afraid to stand up for those who are not because they're afraid of losing said privilege and benefits of the system yeah it's almost like that huh Hmm. yeah uh he Chris says, Pratt. I'm just <laughs> <What>? kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh. um, uh, this neighbor does give them a little bit of information. You know, he says, don't mention the war. And whatever you do, stay away from the Dai Li. Ooh, we already got that impression. Like, these are dangerous guards towards the most, you know, protected place in the world, basically. It's fucking freaky that you got to stay away from the people that Judy is ex- describing as, like, the upholders of cultural... Right. Though, you know, like, yep. it's a little bit reminiscent of, I don't know, yep. certain uh, hmm, upholders of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cops. <laughs> little reminiscent of that. Mm. 
interesting. God damn, yeah, there's so much of uh so much of that in this episode. We get back over to Jet, who's doing a stakeout watching Zuko and Iroh in their home now, and he's trying to make tea, but he's like, what, what'd you do with the spark rocks? Which is a dope little thing. Fucking dope world building because earthbenders, you know, they don't have matches or anything. They have earth. They have a mineral that when you hit it together, <laughs> it sparks, and that's how they have fires and, like, bake tea and bake food, and it's just, oh. There's something about the way Jet goes... They're not there. Yep. You're gonna have to. Get, you're gonna have to fire ben, old man. And yep. he like has them in his hand. <laughs> it reminds me of like. Looks at him. I don't know what it is. It just it it makes me laugh. But in like this is really well done. Yeah. Way. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like I laugh at how well done that moment is. Yeah. They're not there. But then even like the the way that as an audience we can tell that Iroh is cheesing it when he's saying, mm-hmm. "Where are the spark rocks?" Right. Like you can tell he's yelling yeah. a little too loud. Yep. Iroh knows they're being watched. Yeah. He knows it. Oh yeah. It's awesome. And they're not. And they never reveal that either. Yeah. He's taking seriously his slip up from before. Um, and I love the way that resolves. Yep. He goes over and he says, "Our neighbors lent us theirs. Such nice people." And then we see the spark rocks in action. Yep. And it's cool. It, it yeah. literally just starts a fire by striking them together. Yeah. I don't know. I think things like that are really cool on the show. I love transitions like this, too, where you have a close-up on hands, like doing something, specifying an image and an object and specifying these spark rocks, and then it cuts away. You know? I just... Yeah. I commend that editing right there. And also planning out, you know, storyboarding. That's definitely part of that. Um, But we go back to Aang and the gang who get this invitation to a party for the king and his bear. Except it's not an invitation. Oh, that's right. I think what this is, I think what, and it took me rewatching the episode. I was like, what is that? I think this is the newspaper. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because they didn't get an invitation. You're right. I think it's like the news and it's saying like there's going to be a a bear a party for the king's bear and like you know it's because she like grabs it as if she's looking at I don't know the way she grabs it and like opens it and then it's even really thick and she like rolls it up it just reminded me of a newspaper and then yeah. once I had that reminder I was like oh it totally fucking is it's a newspaper totally totally they need that in a city this big you know yeah They start to crack a plan that maybe that's how they could get an audience with the Earth King and tell him this information is to sneak into this party. And Toph's like, you guys wouldn't last one minute. You guys don't know how to behave with, you know, manners. As she's like laying back, eating a donut. Shoving the donut in her face. And I mean, she has a point. She's like, I learned the manners and chose not to follow them. You guys never got the training on them. And it makes us think like, oh, I wonder... I wonder what side of that she has. Because we've pretty much only seen the blind bandit. We haven't actually seen Toph Bei Fong. You know what I mean? Yeah. If only at the dinner table that one time. I also love in this moment when she's uh, talking to them and uh, describing why Sokka and Aang aren't good fits. But maybe she could teach Katara. Hmm. She like picks her nose and flicks it at one point. <laughs> right, yeah. And the booger sticks to the ceiling. And like they animated it throughout the scene. <laughs> and then at the end of the that. scene, it lands on Sokka. And he goes, <laughs> ow. And it like lands on his forehead. I didn't catch that. That's fantastic. I didn't the first time. I caught it. This I was like, wait, what? What landed on Sokka? And I like rewound, and it, like they animate the booger flying from her finger, sticking to the ceiling right above his head. Just so you know that it's awesome. Yeah, it's just funny oh, that's as hell. Great. And you even see the donut later in a wide shot 
just on the ground because she like tosses it right when she's done with her bite she I doesn't toss it in the garbage she just yeah. fucking throws it on the ground yeah <laughs> oh my god she does agree to teach katara though um and while they're waiting we get a quick glimpse of ang and Sokka playing rock paper scissors but they're playing earth water air fire <laughs> like uh yep fire beats or water beats the rules fire. Are. yeah uh, yeah. Which is cool. Another little uh, little thing in I there. I like Aang's Momo. You're Momo-ness. Yes. And then Momo, in that moment when they're doing that, just walks by yep. with his robe still on. There's a gong <laughs> as he walks yeah. by. Um, we get back to Jet at, in his quest. And uh, Smeller B and Longshot try and confront him and say, this has gone too far. And he's saying... And it has. It has, absolutely. He's like staking out in front of the shop like ready to do what he's about to do and they sense that and he's like what you it's both... clear these two aren't infiltrating right the fucking yeah you know they're just trying to live a life right i mean but also what's sad is he is fucking right these are earth See, yeah these, this is one of those vendors. moments where we are on the cusp of a moment in history where there are the possibilities of fire nation people not just being inherently evil in the eyes of someone else, mm -hmm. but it's like only literally right now. Like we are watching that happen as an audience. Jet can't see that. He can't see this and be like, there's a possibility that they're like, if they're Fire Nation and he knows it, which he does, they must be there to infiltrate. Right. You know what I mean right. by that? Yeah. Like, no, totally. Just because we get the dramatic irony of Zuko's growth and Iroh's wisdom, mm -hmm. I mean, to Jet, they're just fucking liars. They could be yep. totally faking it to the point of, like, who knows what they're trying to do. Yeah. I love this. It's another... They don't make as much of a point of it, but it's another uh, long shot, not speaking moment where Jet says, what, you both think this? And Longshot just puts his shoulder on Smeller B and gives him a stern look. And it's mm -hmm. all is communicated. Exactly. Um, no close-up needed. But he brushes them aside. We get a glimpse into... Uh, <laughs> Iroh working his magic and they say, you know, everybody's saying how spectacular his tea is. And I love this animation of, he says, the secret ingredient is love. And the way he like and wisps he, like, his hand through the steam. his hand through the steam. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love it. Oh, it's so good. And then the dude, his boss is like, I think it's time, I think it's time you're due for a race. Yeah. I love that. Like, it's only been one day. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And at that moment, Jet bursts in and he says, I can't wait any longer. These two are firebenders and I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to make them firebend. And there's guards there having tea, like, you know, guards or some sort of security sort of detail. Yeah, like um, a level down from Dai Li. Yeah. They're like the, they, what I would consider them is exactly that. They're like security. Right. Like in our world, they'd be the guys who, you know, watch the parking lots and yeah. shit. And... I forget exactly how this breaks down. Basically, Jet breaks apart his swords and says, and I'm going to prove it. And then Iroh says something like, you're mistaken. Mm -hmm. And then Zuko says, you want a show? And then I'll he give you a show. grabs the guy's swords, the the guard. Yeah. He grabs he his swords. Yeah. I'll give you a show. And then he kicks an empty table in front mm -hmm. of him and then shoves it to Jet, who slices it with yeah. his it's just the coolest way, and oh, then yeah. Jet jumps towards him as Zuko jumps towards him, and there's this dope freeze, freeze frame, frame with Ooh. this sound effect that's I can't even replicate. Yep. And it's it's just like, oh shit, he's going fucking down. It's you know what so I mean? So good. 
we get back over to the plan, th- this hard cut from the middle of this scene where we're like, oh, what's going to happen with that? We go over to the seemingly lower stakes, but grand scale, much higher stakes plan to, for them to try and get into this Earth King party. And uh, Toph and Katara are denied at the gate, but so they're trying to figure out what to do. And this seemingly very official man walks by uh, and they ask him for his help. And he says, well, I am honored. Follow me. This is, as we soon learn, Long Fang. And he is played by a man named Clancy Brown. Now, this guy is a huge voice actor. Like, looking at his IMDb, he's on the level of Kevin Michael Richardson. He's been in every animated thing you can think of. SpongeBob, Rick and Morty, Robot Chicken, Family Guy, American Dad, like all those things. He was Captain Hadley in The Shawshank Redemption. He was in Thor oh. Ragnarok. He's been, he's he's a big deal. And he also has a very very significant very effective role in uh the follow-up series The Legend of Korra. This dude's uh hot shit. Holy shit. Well, I was going to say his voice acting is too good. You know, yeah. once he it's joins so this episode, there's just this level of sinister behind his voice mm-hmm. that I could never Oh, but also you so understand good. why they trust him at first because he very effectively says, you know, I am honored. You follow me. Absolutely. And then he does not leave them alone. He's like, I would be a terrible escort if I left you before you find your family. Oh, and then and then when <laughs> as we enter the party, we get a glimpse of uh, the bear. <laughs> yeah, dude, how terrifying would that be? Because these guys are like, bear. quiet down. I paid so much money for these seats. And this bear is just like... <laughs> Also, and it like rips apart a fucking chicken and like grabs something. And I'm just thinking in my head, like if I were next to a bear just (laughs) demolishing food, holy shit. You want to know something else funny too? What? Uh, Clancy Brown plays the bear. (laughs) No way. Yeah. He does the sounds for the bear as well, which is, which is awesome. It sounds like a bear too. Right. Yeah. Um, I love the guy who's sitting next to the bear, and he's like, I'm not sure about this. And he's like, will you be quiet? Do you know what I had to do to get sit- seats this close to the bear? <laughs> Why would you want that? <laughs> and I love their addressing. Like, you know, a bear in this world is weird. Because the, all the animals are like, you know, even when they bring it up first, they're like, you mean platypus bear? Surely you mean koala bear. Or like, or koala bears are a real yeah. thing. <laughs> God damn it. Fuck me. It makes me think that the king, like... I don't know how he got this bear, but it's like he found the only one and made it his pet or something. Like, mm-hmm. being the king is why he's able to have the bear, you know? Right. Um, but then also, it's just a fucking cool bear. It's like a dog, you know? I love <laughs> yeah, that. right, right. Um, it's not hurting anybody. It's just eating a ton. <laughs> yeah. We cut out to Sokka and Aang on the outside of the palace. And they're trying to come up with a plan. Sokka comes up with this plan. He's like, okay, we dress Momo up as a ghost. And we get him to go in and freak them out. And then uh, Aang's just like, or we could just go in as busboys. Toph even said we could probably pull that off. Sokka's like, okay, but we got to remember that other plan, though. I really think there's gold there. (laughs) Um, That reminds me a lot of uh, Dustin, someone on our Legendary 4 podcast podcast. Space vampires. Space vampires. He does that a lot. I'll do it. He'll come up with a plan, and then it'll be a good plan, but maybe not for then. He always is like, he okay, always we got to remember back. that. But he's like, okay, you know? we are going to do that, though. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we get a quick cut back to this fight that we're in the back of our minds that entire time, just being like, well, wh- what happened with that? And the fight has come out onto the street. It's so good, too. Oh, because this is so a guy well who doesn't bend, so all of his skills rely mm-hmm. around these dual hook blades, yeah. which are still the coolest weapon ever. And we now see, too, that they're not just like hook blades that are like, I imagined, I, I don't know why I didn't fully grasp how powerful these things were, but like when, when Zuko's like kicking things at him, he's able to just slice, slice them in them. half. Yeah, they're sharp. And same with Zuko with his sharp blades. Mm-hmm. And it's cool seeing Zuko with no bending versus a guy who never had bending. Like right. in my head, I'm thinking Zuko's a little outmatched. This is making me nervous, but yeah. Zuko's the fucking prince of the Fire Nation. You know, <laughs> right. he secretly isn't outmatched you know Mm -hmm, what i mean mm -hmm. because i don't know he's had a lot of training anyway uh yeah and the choreography here is just so astounding and you know with all these like elevated movement type things they have real people act them out and choreograph them so that they can take footage of that or images of that and animate it animate it which is so much work that i want to commend because it's so especially love uh the moment when there's a part where jet uses the hook of his one of his swords to trap Zuko's sword in the ground Mm -hmm. and then they both are left with one blade yeah and then we get this moment of them back to back yes it's almost like a lightsaber moment or something it's where they're both like left right right Mm -hmm. right left right left and they just like are almost like dancing with each other's blades and that animation is also like going around them as they circling them as it's happening it's It's the coolest thing Um, it's really really cool do we cut away again, or is yeah, that we, we, does we, that resolve? We cut away again, and Toph finds the two of them because she recognizes Aang's light uh, twinkle toes anywhere. Um, <laughs> Judy notices them there and comes up, and she's like, "Well, you will be in so much trouble if you if if you're found here. You must go." Uh, and and as she fucks up, she fucks she up. She fucks up. She pushes them and like she fully makes pushes them. Aang spill. <laughs> stuff all over this woman but then ang fucks up and just he's like oh i'm sorry and just fully airbends yeah (laughs) and then they're immediately like oh the avatar this is like my favorite voice ever by the way her voice it's it's like someone who has no accent but is so rich Mm -hmm. they need to have one yep oh the avatar i had no idea the avatar would be here yeah. You know what I mean by that? Yep. She's got the perfect accent of like a total rich lady. It's like my favorite thing. I don't know why I like it so much, but I just do. Okay, uh quick thing. I was just looking at the cast to try and see if I could find who that voice was, and I noticed something that I was like, I can't believe I didn't see that when I was going through this before because it was on like one of the bit parts, the pet shop owner that they talked to that Sokka's like, where's the black market? You know that there's one yeah. here. That's voiced by Will Wheaton. <laughs> what the fuck? What? Are you serious? <laughs> I'm serious. That's so wild. Uh, anyway, back on track. That's awesome. Um, Ang fucks That's up. Awesome. He airbends this woman and, um... Sokka's just like, keep them distracted. Make a show. And boy, does he. He takes all these different colored uh, liquids and makes this like big bended circle of liquids in the air. And he really, he effectively makes a show. The bear just like clapping for him. Like, oh, (laughs) yay. I don't know. I love that. Yeah. Um, 
And then we get the resolution to this fight scene. The Dai Li come, and uh, we actually get an idea of how fucking serious they are now. Because we just watched them fight for a long time. So we know these guys are like super skilled fighters. Mm -hmm. The Dai Li come, and they're like, what's going on? There's a guard there to basically vouch for Zuko. He's like, this man attacked him, and Iroh's there like, he was confused. I don't know why he did it. Mm -hmm. But then... Jet, like, still fed up, says no, and eventually he even attacks the Dai Li because he's like, all right, if you guys aren't going to do it, and the Dai Li, the way that they handle this, it actually scares me. It's methodical. It's fast. It just scares me. They just grab his sword, throw it down. We see these earth gloves in action for the the first time. The earth gloves, dude. The earth gloves. They just stop his blade. They, like, twist his arm, and then they put both of his arms behind his back, and we see them, because they've got, like, earth gloves on, mm-hmm. so when we see them put his hands behind the back, there's, like, a close-up of that, yep. and then they just move their hands away, and his hands are now covered in earth. Yep. Like, shaped like hands. Yep. These gloves Honestly, are, like, chunks of earth in the shape of gloves that they can meld into any shape they want. It's brilliant it's, world building. It's one of my favorite things in the whole show. That's also one of my least favorite things. Do you know what I mean yeah, by that? Yeah. It makes me feel really sick inside when it when it happens. I'm like, oh, that's not cool. But it also just makes so much sense. And this spooky high angle shot of Jet being put into this cart and the doors closing on him. And we're it just it fills you with fear. You're like, what's gonna happen to him? Uh then the Earth King enters the party. He's brought in on this, you know, lift, like classic king sitting on cushions on this, you know, as his servants all carry him in on this thing. Immediately, Sokka gets taken first. These gloves shoot out and cover his mouth and take him back. And then they shoot out and cover Katara and Toph's mouths and bring them back. The thing about these gloves, too... That makes them even more menacing now. Uh, Toph is an earthbender who can handle any fucking earthbender. Mm-hmm. But these gloves are in the air. Yep. She can't feel them yep. coming. It's like the first time you realize like the entire bending style of the Dai Li is not the same as the bending style of most earthbenders. Different. They're not stomping and then shooting at hand. It's They're simply just secrecy. It's so scary when yep. you think about it like when that. When you can make basically hands wherever you want fuck <laughs> yeah well put i was gonna search for words but that's all that's all you need to say long fang approaches ang and says i would like to talk to the avatar and brings him aside as they take the earth king away because clearly the daily are on to these infiltrators even though we know they're you know trying to do good and uh, brings them into this side, brings Ang into this side room where his friends all are. And he says, uh, the king has no time for these political squabbles. And again, we got uh, mixing of politics, like the, the use of these ideas of politics and culture. And he says, we are trying to, uh, the, the king does not have time for those sort of things. I'm he, he is here to maintain the cultural heritage. So the way Katara puts it is right. He's a figurehead. He's, he's pointless. He's here just to maintain the idea that this royal bloodline is who deserves to be in office while Long Fang 
actually controls everything. He's the one who's actually in control of the military and you know, all of the finances and all of those things. And he says, the war is not to be mentioned in Ba Sing Se. I don't want to create a state of panic in the city. We want this to remain a utopia, the last remaining one on Earth. And, uh, and this whole conversation is happening. I love that they decided to go the route of having there be a green fire behind him. Yeah. This like... Because it's it's in the Earth Kingdom, so if they're gonna have fire, it's gonna be green. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like they're not gonna fucking just like let fire be fire. Right. But at the same time, it also gives it just this really Sister. like I don't oh. like this vibe. Oh man, it's so uncomfortable. And god damn it. You can't just withhold the information about the state of the world from the people that you're watching over so that they don't panic. Is that so fucking complicated? You cannot decide that for people. I'm talking to some people specifically in the world and in this fictional world. Um, it's so yeah. fucked up. And while he's talking, we get the beginning of this montage of Jet being taken into this back room. And these Dai Li agents taking these rocks of their rock gloves and putting them in a crown around his head and forcing it back on a chair. And then one of them stands in front of him and this light starts circling around this Dai Li agent in this dark room in a hypnotizing fashion. And he just starts repeating, there is no war in Ba Sing Se. There is no war in Ba Sing Se. There is no virus in USA. I mean, uh... <clears throat> What what what's happening? What I think? And then Jet even at first is like, what what are you talking about? Of co of course, what do you think the? Yeah. How do you think the all these? Where do you think all these people come from? Right. You know, yep. and like, it's clear that now we get what's going on with Judy. Yep, we now get it, yep. or at least we have a hint. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of Judy, they finish up this conversation by Long Feng <laughs> telling them, "You will be watched every moment of every day now." If you do anything to try and talk about this more, you will be excommunicated. You will be banished from the city. Uh, I hear you're looking for your bison. It would be a shame if you did not find him. Ooh, which this is just is like, so do you fucked fucking up. know something about where Appa is? Are you fucking serious? And it's one serious? of those things where they can't, they can't just like now fight this guy. Right. Because he's basically he's in control of everything. Yes. So, like, they just have to now live with the knowledge that he probably could have just helped them find Appa, but he's going to be the reason why they won't be able to find him if they fuck up now. You know what yeah. I mean by that? Yep. Like, he just, that's so sinister and diabolical that it, it chills me to the bones when he says that. It makes me so sad. <sighs> I always just want them to just be like okay well you know where appa is yeah earth crush <laughs> right and like i don't know yeah but they can because he's ah. and here and then, to bring them back yes. to their home is judy except what what did you do to judy it's it's not her it's a completely it's not different judy. woman being called judy speaking the same way i think they use the same voice actor and now she even says like what i'm judy yeah remember we like see she that she has she been, seems she's been replaced because she failed to keep them from getting anywhere near the earth king 
Oh, oh, oh. and the it's the most oh, I think I feel in the entire show of a white fade out shows over. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway, with chills going down our spine, let's talk about a kid moment of the week. Kid moment of the week. I think this <laughs> one's pretty obvious. I kind of blew by it earlier because uh, I knew we'd talk about it at the end. If you disagree with me, you're wrong. Your momoness. Oh, yes, Grandmaster Momo of the Momo Nation. Oh, yes, Ooh. the Avatar. And they bow, 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 bow. And they hit Slam each other's it. head. I think that is definitely the kid moment of the week. And I think we need to give the runner-up to the funniest part of the episode, mm-hmm. but it's not a kid moment. Huh. This is not tea. No. It is hot leaf juice. Yeah. I think that moment is funnier with age. Yeah, but I, I think, think so too. your moment is made for kids oh, come on. and is yeah. very funny. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? And I think it's uh, one of the most hitting on what I think part of the essence of our kid moment of the week is, is that these are kids and they're acting yep. like kids. It's a kid bit. It results how it would yep. if kids were doing it. They hit each other and fall down by accident. And it is it funny. Dif- this, this episode right now differentiates perfectly the difference between kid moment of the week and the funniest joke in the show right that's not what kid moment of the week is yep Yep. but i needed to mention it because it might be the funniest joke in the whole show (laughs) that makes me laugh still every time (laughs) i watch and like when i reference it to other people it makes them laugh and they haven't even seen the show you know what i mean it's just a great line oh Yo, Momoness. So and good. then Momo walking by later with yeah. his... And the gong, I, that's what gets it. That's like the the punchline. You yeah, know? totally. That's yeah, that that's the moment right there. All the rest was set up to Momo walking by holding it, now embracing. Because in the earlier moment, he just kind of peeks up from under the covers. He's like, what? And it looks like he's got robes on and they're making a joke out of it. But now we know Momo understood and he's in on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Momo always understands. Yeah. Ah <laughs> oh, man. So much in this episode. I think as we're going on in the show, there's more and more to talk about with each episode. So I think we're sort of settling. Uh, we've sort of unspoken settled more on to a slightly longer uh, runtime. But uh, from the people I have talked to, it sounds like uh, that's not a bother on you. Uh, you're listening because you enjoy, I hope. And uh, if you enjoy it, please let your friends know about it. Um, we're constantly trying to improve the show and we're having so much fun doing it and we really appreciate any of you listening out there. One way you can help us is uh, to follow us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, and especially I do want to point out specifically the Twitter. If you have Twitter, give us a like or a follow. I forget. I I don't know what that is because I don't have Twitter. Gary's in charge of that portion of it. Yep, Um, I have... uh, And I'm not as a Twitter user not good at <laughs> promoting i don't know how to even like yeah. gain followers yeah. so yeah please yeah check I'll, us out. I'll still tweet the episodes on... <laughs> i will do good at that but yeah. i don't know how to gain followers so that's your job guys on all <laughs> social media that's going to be at new lens pod you can also check out our actual play dungeons and dragons podcast legendary four adventures space vampires thank you gary we've referenced that a couple times you can check that out as well as all of these episodes on legendary4.com on all of those individual episodes for both podcasts we have comment sections we would love to hear from you um in any way and yeah um, calvin and i are always trying to think of new 
things for the future of the show because I mean most of the movies we watched when we were kids we remember randomly I'll wake up and I'll be like have you seen Matilda and then Calvin <laughs> right. be like no that's not one of them and I'm like oh shit so yeah. if you guys have those put them in the comments yeah. and maybe we'll both go oh my god that's yeah. totally one of them totally because we've re- we've had those we've had that happen I think that's what happened with Inspector Gadget yeah Calvin yeah. was like oh my god have you seen Inspector Gadget and I was like holy oh, fuck man. that's that's definitely one of them <laughs> yeah and it ended up being a great episode so yeah yeah well uh yeah thank you again for listening we'll catch you on Sunday for tales of bossing say oh man I'm not ready to cry um yep all right well thanks again for listening i'm calvin and i'm gary this has been a new lens and there is no war in bossing say there is no war in bossing say there is no virus in usa Vote.